Welcome to A Better Way with Real Estate, a podcast series hosted by real estate investor, Brian O'Neill. During each episode, we'll give practical advice for individuals and families navigating the many hurdles in the home buying and selling process. There is a better way with real estate that supports the goals and needs of your family, and we're here to help. Listen along as we help families like yours, one home at a time. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of A Better Way with Real Estate podcast. I'm your host with Brian O'Neill, and today we have a very special guest. I'm super excited uh, that she's agreed to be on the show today. Her name is Patrice Bobo Miles, and she has been engrossed in the mortgage industry for the past 23 years. She got into the mortgage business when the mortgage broker who provided the financing for their first home purchase offered her a job once the home was clear to close. Her first job was as a loan processor, but within two years, she moved into loan origination. After 10 years in the business, the real estate market crashed and the healthy income that she earned as an originator was gone. They almost lost their home and considered bankruptcy to get out from underneath crippling debt. Fortunately, neither of those happened. Patrice works closely with her buyers in their home purchases. She is also a business owner and under P. Bobo Miles Collective LLC, she works with clients to teach responsible money management and credit. Patrice has been married for 33 years to the love of her life, Mike. They have been blessed with two beautiful, successful, and generous children, Aaron, age 30, and Alyssa, age 24. Patrice, so happy to have you as an expert guest and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me today, Brian. I appreciate it. Great. And, you know, reading that bio, I know we talked, we were talking a bit offline. I would really like if you could take the listeners back to that first home purchase and your experience there and and any lessons uh, learned. I think it would be super valuable for the audience. Absolutely. Um, You know, our first home purchase, it was funny. Um, And I'm going to backtrack and backtrack and backtrack, I'm sure, as I tell this story. my husband and I met in high school. Um, he was two years older than me. So when I was a senior in high school, we started dating. So I literally married my high school sweetheart. So to say that we grew up together, I mean, we literally grew up together. Um, you know, we got married a um, couple years, about four years into the marriage, two years after the birth of our, our son, Aaron, um, we ran into issues with our marriage uh, to the point that I got really, really mad. I packed my stuff. I got my kid and I moved in with my mom and dad and I lived with my mom and dad for nine months. Um, Within that period of time, Mike and I had to start dating again. You know, one of the things about getting married, especially when you're young, is you go in with all these preconceived notions of what the perfect wife is supposed to be and the perfect mother is supposed to be. And of course, being a type A perfectionist, I was out to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in doing all of that, I have to say that I lost the essence of who I am as Patrice. Yes, I was Mike's wife. And yes, I was Aaron's mother. But I had started to lose pieces and parts of myself that make me me. So I was like, I went to a divorce attorney. I actually had papers drawn up. Um, I signed them. Uh, I took them to him. I wasn't going to have him served. I figured I'd serve him myself. And I will tell you the first two months that we were not together, I didn't want to look at him. Didn't want to look at him. Didn't want to talk to him. I didn't like him. Um, the only time I think I called him is 
when I would say, you know, I think you need to come and get Aaron and y'all need to spend some time together Mm -hmm. Uh, because he's always been an excellent father. Um, And of course, again, we were young. So we were young kids and I have probably one of the hottest tempers of anyone that I know as I've gotten older. It's, you know, I've, I've learned to control it much, much better, but at that age it was hot. Um, so I probably left, um, quickly, irrationally, but it gave, it gave me an opportunity to kind of get back in touch with who I am, who I am as a woman, who I wanted to be as a wife and who I wanted to be as a mother. And so after we dated for nine months and I, I, when I tell you we dated, he had to come and pick me up at my mom and dad's house. Uh, he had to come in and have conversations with my parents. Um, we would go to dinner. We would go to movies. Um, we would go hang out. We would do whatever. But in that period of time, we also got an opportunity to kind of uh, reconnect and, and get to know each other again. Because once you have a kid, you know, um, the, the focus kind of the, the focus kind of shifted off of us as a couple and more on us as parents. Uh, and so we, we had, we got a chance to rebuild that part of it. And, and, you know, at the end of that period in time, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, marriage is going to be a lot of work and we can decide right, right here that we're going to walk away. And I will raise our son as a single mother. You will be a part of his life. You will have him whenever you want to, or we're going to decide that we're going to make this work. Um, I had gone into some therapy, so I had learned a lot of things about myself and, and it helped me to get back in touch with who I was. And I remember telling him the woman that walked out of this house nine months ago is not the woman who's walking back in these doors. And so we made it work. And so this year is 33 years that we have been married. Uh, and in that point in time, we have had to work on our marriage every day. And so if there's one thing I tell people that are married, that want to stay married, that you have to put the effort into your marriage every day. Um, we're in a society where marriages are kind of throwaway. And, and I think there, there's a whole lot of sadness there and that people don't want to put in the work to make it work. So, you know, we got back together. Lo and behold, my daughter came along. Imagine that. So we had a daughter um, and she came along after that. And we had outgrown the apartment that we were renting. So when I tell you that my husband is probably one of the most laid back people you will ever meet, he is. And when I tell you that I'm one of the most driven people you will ever meet, I am. So when I say polar opposites, we are polar opposites. Uh, I found a house. It was a POS house, but I found it. Um, When you buy a house, it's an emotional thing. And I walked in and I looked at the ugly brown walls and the horrible flooring and the ugly kitchen. And all of the wallpaper that had to come off the walls. And I looked at him and I said, this is, this is our home. And he thought I was crazy. And I got the realtor to write up a contract. And I took it out to the softball field because he was big time in travel ball. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what are we doing? I said, we're buying a house. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me. He goes, we're buying a house. I said, yeah, we're buying that house that we looked at. And he goes, are you sure that's the house you want? I said, we're buying a house. And he goes, but, and I said, nope, I need you to initial here, initial here, initial here, sign here. And so that's how we got into our first home. And it was really just, you know, sometimes you you have to know when to push and sometimes you have to know when to pull back. And I knew for him, it was, it was a very scary decision to, to make that commitment to purchasing that first home. Mm -hmm. We lived in that home for several years, um, renovated it, flipped it. And we were in it for a long time. I mean, we were in it for seven years, maybe 
But in that period of time, we renovated and sold it for double what we paid for it. So we took that money to buy a bigger home, um, moved into that house. And of course, we bought at the top of the market. Back then, everything was the top of the market. Um, don't think I would ever buy at the top of the market again. However, we did. Uh, I, at that point in time, had been originating for a while. Healthy six-figure income um, consistently year over year over year. And if people don't know, uh, I work for a mortgage company. My income is 100% commission-based. So what that means is if I don't close loans, I don't have a paycheck. And I've always, since I got into the mortgage industry, out-earned my husband. And you know what? He's good with that because at the end of the day, it's all household money, right? It, right. it all goes to pay the bills. So um, it was another one of those I kind of pushed and we bought a bigger home. We bought a much more expensive home. And then the market crashed. And I looked at my husband and I looked at my children and I thought, oh gosh, what have we done? Because that six-figure income was gone. And it was gone in, in a brief period of time. Uh, along with that, I cannot tell you um, the amount of money that I lost in the stock market because I had, had a lot of company stock for the company that I worked for and it tanked. So I am talking hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> gone overnight. Um, of course, with that income, uh, I had credit card debt. I had a lot of credit card debt. I didn't really pay attention to what I was spending because I could always pay for it the next month. And that all came to a stop. And we started getting letters in the mail when we couldn't make the mortgage payment. And I was the one that always handled the finances. So at that point in time, I felt like I had totally failed my family, right? My income is non-existent. Um, we are crippled with credit card debt. And I'll tell you, the majority of the credit card debt was in my name. Mm. Um, we had a this home that was substantially more than what we were paying for initially. And I didn't know what to do. And, you know, my husband was always there to tell me, you know what, it's going to work out. You know what, we're going to be okay. And so for a period of time, I just kind of sat. I didn't quite know what to do. Um, I was disappointed in myself and how the situation was handled. Um, I was obviously distraught with the thought of losing the home that we had purchased to raise our children in. Uh, and all that goes with that. And to say that finding yourself in that position in life um, in your 40s is incredibly humbling. It is incredibly humbling. Um, I didn't want to go to my parents for help. And they would have been willing to do that. Didn't want to go to his parents for help. And they would have been willing to do that. Uh, and somewhere in, somewhere when I always tell this story, um, I got with a company called NACA because I wanted to see if they could help us save our home. Mm -hmm. I really didn't care about the rest of it. The rest of it would do what it was going to do, but I didn't want to lose our home. Right. So I worked with NACA and I worked with NACA and, you know, I sent paperwork and I'm working with the mortgage company trying to get a modification. And this went on probably for four to five months. And I get a letter from the mortgage company that says, I'm sorry, but we're not going to approve your modification. And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. And the next day, I got a FedEx package in the mail and it was modification paperwork for our loan. So when I tell you it is the grace of God that we did not lose our home, I promise you to this day, I think that was a God miracle for us to this day. I believe that. So we signed the paperwork, got the loan modified. I actually got out of the mortgage business for a period of time because I just, 
I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with feeling like the failure there. I mean, I really feel like I had failed my family and I thought, okay, mm. let me just buckle down and get a W2 job and let's have that security and, 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 and. Well, about a year out of it, I got back into the mortgage business yeah. um, because it gets in your blood. Um, and I was, I had a totally different perspective, um, obviously coming in at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we kind of got on our feet, I was like, okay, let's try to be a little bit smarter about this and started setting up uh, ways to save that weren't just, you know, 401ks. Um paying attention to what was going on credit card debt, why we were spending, um, coming to terms with my really poor money habits. I grew up in a household that, you know, I was kind of spoiled when I was 16. I had a car, um, you know, my, my mom and dad provided well for me and my three sisters. Um, financial literacy just was not something that was taught. So to have to learn it by walking through the fire <laughs> is not an experience that I would want anyone to have. However, it has given me um, a huge perspective on how to manage it and kind of take the emotions out of dealing with money. And when you realize that money is a tool, not an emotion, uh, it makes it, uh, it puts it in a category of being able to manage how you deal with it. So, you know, back in the mortgage business, I feel like I'm pretty much back on on top of my game. I'm doing well. Um, You know, uh, we're making healthy incomes and my husband has always worked. So we've always enjoyed that. You know, once I got back in business, once I got back on my feet, um, you know, my loans didn't come. They weren't just loans anymore. They weren't just files. They were people and families. And it really made a difference in how I um, worked with my clients and helped with my clients and counseled those people who weren't quite ready to purchase homes and things that they needed to do to, to position themselves to do that. Um, and then being able to give that way and putting people in homes who never in a million years thought that they would be able to own their own homes makes what I do, even all of the stress that's involved, um, worth it every time. Every time I get that phone call that says, you know, it's been 25 years and I never thought I'd be able to own a home. Thank you. Um, I know that I am, uh, that I'm doing what God put me here to do. Yeah. Wow. That was an amazing story. Uh, I mean, I have like a half a page of notes here. I mean, that was, uh, that was awesome. I mean, and I'll I'll throw a couple of things back at you. And it sounds to me like, again, that was a divine experience for you meant to happen. Um, it changed your, it really changed your life, changed your perspective and really led you to what you've been doing since that, since that time. And you wouldn't be able to help all the people you help without the experience that you had. Yes, I, I agree. Totally. I agree yeah. You, totally yeah. you said a couple really cool things well, about that, you know, financial literacy is not taught. I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's very rare. It's one of the reasons that uh, we have people like you on the show is because we're trying to bridge that gap because there is an education gap in the marketplace. And, you know, you mentioned when you bought your home, it was an emotional decision. I don't think most, I don't think most people really fully understand that the home purchase is probably more of an emotional decision than it is a financial decision. It is. You tie the two together, money and emotion. Sometimes it could not be the best situation. And you said money is a tool. Mm -hmm. That's great. 
That's great. I love that. So um, really important that you had this experience and, you know, it led you to where you, you are now, which is really what I want to talk about, which is, you know, you're helping people um, and you're doing it from a place that's different from money. I mean, obviously it, 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 it's, uh, you know, you're not doing this for free, but, you know, you get up in the morning to help these folks. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about your experience in, you know, doing the mortgage, you know, in the mortgage business, specifically for people who have had trouble. I mean, what are some of the things that, um, or, or tell me a story maybe about a specific family or maybe an individual situation where you mentioned 25 years, I haven't been able to get a loan. Like what, what was the difference? Like why, how did Patrice help? They ha- I assume they had been trying for quite some time, no? They had been. And, and this is actually when I, I closed just recently. Um, it, they were an older couple. And by older, I mean, they were maybe five years younger than me. And I'm 55. Mm-hmm. I don't mind telling people how old I am. I'm 55. Um, and he had uh, VA eligibility. They had owned a manufactured home at one point in time, ran into financial difficulties and had to let that home go back. And so he had been trying to purchase and with the companies or banks that he had been speaking to, what they had told him was he could not get financing with that because it was a foreclosure. And so, you know, I pulled his credit and I said, I'm going to be honest, I'm concerned about this. And I talked about the reasons why I was concerned um, it was a pretty big charge off, mm-hmm. uh, but in looking at it, it wasn't really a um, foreclosure uh, because if it's not listed as real property, it's not real property as in it's not real estate. Yeah. Uh, so what I suggested we do was I got all of his stuff together. I knew where he was trying to purchase as far as purchase price range. I got all of his paperwork and I submitted his credit file and I had his credit file underwritten. And what I said was, let me see what we're working with. Let me see how an underwriter is going to look at it. I know how I look at it, but I'm not an underwriter. I'm a mortgage loan originator. It's my job to know the programs. It's my job to know what works in the programs. Um, It's my job to be the problem solver. When people ask me what I do, I said, I'm a mortgage loan originator. That means that I solve problems every day. I solve lots of problems (laughs) every day. So we got everything we needed from him. And I turned the file in and the home that I was concerned about, the manufactured home, wasn't one of our conditions. So when it came out and it wasn't one of the conditions to loan approval, I knew that we were over the home. Mm. Um, So I got to pick up the phone and call him and I said, guess what? We're going to be able to do this. I called his realtor. I'm like, guess what? We're going to be able to do this. And within a 20 day window, we were able to help him close on a home that he never thought he and his wife would be able to own. And for me, it was a blessing because in essence, I was, I was part of the team that helped to bless him and his family for this next phase in their life. So it's just, you've got to take the time and talk to people. I mean, every, a VA loan is a VA loan is a VA loan. An FHA loan is an FHA loan. A conventional loan is a conventional loan. But they're not loans and loan types. They're people. And with being people, their circumstances are all different. Their credit is different. There are different reasons why things have happened. And as a loan originator, I really try to take the time 
to find out what their story is. Because when I know their story, I have what I need to work with to see if I can help them go to the next level, get them in a home. Um, if the credit is really bad, you know, I have, I have resources. Of course, there's um, some things that I can do on my end as an LO. Uh, but I think it's important to take the time to get their story and listen to them. Um, I do have people that I can send them to to help with credit. And I will tell you uh, that that conversation is, you know, we really need to work on your credit. Here are the things that I see. And when they start asking me, how do I do that? <laughs> um, you know, so you can try to do it by yourself mm-hmm. or you can go to a reputable company. Here are some names of some people that I know can help you. I do not know how much they charge. And I never ask. I do not know how much they charge. But if it's someone you feel you want to pay to help you get to where you want to get, then that is your choice. And when you're ready to buy, they will let you know. And you come back to me and we'll get you in your house. It's just taking the time to listen, learn the stories, you know, and know your guidelines. (laughs) I mean, you've got to know your loan guidelines, period. You've got to know your loan guidelines that change every day. Every day, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm sure they do. I know they do. And I, again, you're saying some really powerful stuff about the story. You have to know the story because, and and two, uh, you know, you're someone that can be trusted because of your approach. I mean, I think the, again, we go back to the emotional and the financial commitment. A lot of people, I think, and you probably have this uh, experience, will be guarded because you're you, yeah. they're they're giving up information that maybe they're not they're not uh, uh, too proud of, you know, I mean, I had credit challenges when I was younger and I didn't offer it to everyone. Like, yeah, I had a bunch of charge offs. Like, it's just not something you talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important when you're going through this process to, to have someone that you can, that you can trust to be able to say, Hey, we need the story. We need to know what your situation is so that we can provide a solution and solve a problem. Now, in your opinion, regarding the credit piece, because, you know, here at BKW, we do work with a lot of folks who have, you know, as we, we don't like to say bad credit, we like to say slow credit. How about uh, challenged? Yeah, challenge, <laughs> right? Because it, it can all be fixed, right? Credit can be repaired, like you just need time and you need a little and you need to do some things. Um, you know, we use, we always recommend third party companies, but I just I, I never to do it on your own. I didn't know if you had any thoughts around that, like what you're seeing success wise for people who are going to uh, repair their credit. Honestly, I, I I have to agree with you there. I really think the third-party company is the way to go. But, you know, you need to make sure you're working with a third-party company that knows what your cons- your rights are as a consumer mm-hmm. and um, how that works with your credit and the things that you can do um, on the back end and the front end. And so, you know, it comes back to, as the consumer, making sure you're doing your due diligence. Yeah. Um, you know, checking out the credentials. Um, and, and I know for the people that I refer, they're people I've checked out or they're people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident in giving that information out. Again, I never ask them how much they charge because that's a discussion for them to have, not for me to try to, to guide. Great. Um, so let's talk, you, you mentioned, you know, VA loan is a VA loan is a VA loan and FHA, FHA, but maybe you could touch upon, I would say more so it's related to first time home buyers or buyers who are maybe struggling to get there. Like what are some of the, the like the common programs that, that they should look at and that you would talk to them about? It's a loaded question because it really is dependent on your borrower. 
Um, if you're if you are someone who has served in the military or you're currently active duty, mm-hmm. um, the government has in place a loan. It's called a, a VA loan um, through the Veterans Administration. The one of the best things about a VA loan is that the vet can buy the home with no money down, yeah. as well as not having to come out with the down payment. There's not any monthly mortgage insurance with that. G- rates on loans that are backed by the government generally are lower than what you're going to be looking at in your um, conventional programs that are more Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac driven. Um, so FHA is a phenomenal program for that. Um, you, get, you get in with less money down, typically a lower interest rate, no MI. Um, the underwriting is uh, generous. You know, I try to keep, I try to um, have the conversation that let's not look at how much you qualify for. We don't need to know your maximum number, but let's see what you're comfortable paying a month and where does that fall? Because the last thing you want to do is help somebody buy a home that they become house poor and then they have to make decisions as to whether or not it's a home they're going to keep. Are they going to pay, make payments? Are they going to let it go totally and have that foreclosure to deal with? So I still think there's a part of, uh, as a mortgage loan originator, I think it's important to kind of have that conversation as they're pushing the numbers and pushing the numbers and pushing the numbers, especially, you know, in the market that we're in right now. So, um, again, you know, I, I try to be a a good, um, source of advice, Mm -hmm. uh, a sound voice, because again, purchasing a home is more emotional than it is anything else. And so it's really trying to, basically pull somebody off the ceiling and get them to listen <laughs> to what it is because, and recognize that, you know, here's your commitment here. So let's make sure that uh, if you have another child and all of a sudden you have to pay daycare, that this housing expense isn't going to be, be difficult for you to do, or, you know, you want to be able to go to the movies and maybe have dinner a couple, you know, one or two nights a week. Let's make sure you still have the the income to do that. So I do try to have those conversations as well. That's good. I hope people listen to you because, you know, being house poor is not something you ever want to get involved with. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, for a lot of people, you know, that we get this. I know this happened to me emotionally many years ago. You get the prequal letter, right? And it says, oh, you can afford this. And then you automatically try to go out and buy that because the bank says you can afford it. And then, you, you know, you don't even consider all the other stuff. Well, I need to eat too, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. You know, and, the, and, and one day we have kids and, you know, they're going to cost more than the house for crying out loud. So um, you're nodding your head like, you know, and you do know. So I, I think it's important you, that, that you said that. Um, are any with, okay, so just excuse my ignorance, but the low down payment loans, I mean, the VA loan sounds like a great loan. The FHA loan sounds like a, like a great loan. Any any potential risks involved that maybe buyers who are looking at these types of products should be aware of? You know, these are conforming these are conforming loan pro- mm-hmm. products, so they're not they're, they are not uh, non QM, which are more uh, put into place with different types of guidelines. We still have to verify stuff on a non QM loan, but it's a non conforming product when you're looking at non QM. 
So there's a little more risk involved. And with that risk is going to be a higher interest rate. So when we're looking at your conforming loan products, you know, we really are looking, especially our government backed loans, VA, FHA, USDA, you know, we're looking at loans that are, are backed by the government. Um, so there are really strict underwriting guidelines in place. I mean, we have to verify your income. You have to show me two years of employment. Uh, you have to show me two years of where you've lived. Mm-hmm. I need to see what kind of assets you have. Yes, we're going to look at your credit. I mean, it, it is a full and complete picture so that when we get to the end of the process, it is my hope that we have gotten somebody qualified to purchase a house that works for their needs that they're going to be able to afford as long as they want to live in that home. Perfect. I appreciate you explaining that. Um, That was super helpful. So let's talk a little bit about, well, I think one of the other misconceptions that we have, Patrice, at least with a lot of the people that I talk to is costs, closing costs to to close on these loans. Um, I was blown away the first time I sold the house, didn't know, nobody told me. Again, wasn't educated. And then the second and third time I did it, I was like, man, these things just seem to get, seem to increase every time. So in your opinion or in your experience, you know, what are some of the costs that are either overlooked or not considered, or, you know, maybe that, that everyone should be aware of like the, like the most important ones. I'm going to start with misconceptions on a VA loan. So I'll start there Perfect. and I'll back into your answer. I believe um, I had a, I had a conversation with a vet and we were talking about the VA loan I said, well, no, you don't have a down payment, but you're going to want to have money set aside for closing costs. He goes, well, what do you mean closing costs? It's a zero down loan. And so I explained closing costs are part of every loan. So there are third party fees. Number one, um, some companies charge, uh, and I'm going to go back to VA, some, some companies are going to charge lender fees. Now for the company that I work for, we do not charge lender fees on our VA loans. Mm -hmm. We do charge them, however, on FHA, USDA, USDA, and any of our conventional products. So those are fees that are going to have to be paid. There are third-party fees that include credit reports and flood certs and um, tax certs and an appraisal, uh, plus the fees that have to be paid to either the title company or the real estate attorney Mm -hmm. who is going to be closing your loan. And then there are the real estate taxes that are going to have to be paid, depending on where you live, um, doc stamps and um, doc and intangible on the mortgage and doc stamps on the deed um, for the transfer. And then people don't necessarily understand what prepaids are. Mm -hmm. So when you purchase a home, the lender is going to set up what we call escrows. And those escrows are going to consist of when you close your loan, you're going to pay the first year of homeowner's insurance the day you close the loan. So if you close January 1st of 2021, we're going to collect a full year. So from January 1st, 2021 to January 1st, 2022, you're going to pay that full year premium. And then we're going to collect another two or three months to put into your escrow account. Because when you close, the title company is going to send the insurance company that first year. And then we're going to keep the other two or three months in escrow. The same thing goes for taxes, depending on what month you close. We're going to collect anywhere from zero months to 12 months taxes, depending again on when you close. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put that money in escrow. And why do we put that money in escrow? A mortgage payment consists of principal and interest on what you're purchasing. And then 
we're going to have one twelfth of your taxes and one twelfth of your homeowner's insurance as part of that as part of that payment. So that's where your prepaids come in. So as I'm just kind of running down this list of things you're going to pay for, you can see how some of those fees are going to add up. So those are closing costs and prepaids that are associated with any mortgage loan purchase or sale if you're on the seller's end of that, um, that have to be paid. Yeah. Yeah. Great job bringing up the prepaids. I think most first-time home buyers have no idea. Uh, None. That, that, <laughs> None. Uh, yeah. And it, it can be significant. Yeah. So I appreciate you bringing that Especially up. Especially with homeowner's insurance right now. Homeowner's insurance is like doubling and tripling, tripling right now um, yeah. in what, what it costs to insure a home. Yeah. Yeah. And this all, and then taxes too. I mean, here in Illinois, our mm -hmm. taxes are paid in arrears. So, I mean, I, that was, that was painful. The first time I saw the prepaids for the mm -hmm. taxes, you know, you, you gotta, yep. you gotta pay the whole year plus whatever, three or four months. So, um, great, great stuff. Um, and which kind of segues into the financial literacy piece, which, you know, you have your own business and you help people with this. And I want to, you know, segue into, in, into that. Because uh, we just talked about closing costs and being educated, and and just just tell me about your business, um, and 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 tell me, you know, and then describe to me or to the audience really what what financial literacy looks like. Oh wow, that's a loaded question. I you know, it's that's the, you were hoping it was going to be loaded. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that I generally just got kind of felt really passionate about. Um, and it took me a while to step out into it. And that in itself is a whole other podcast interview. Trust me on that. Um, <laughs> however, um, it's important to know only because it's so important to be able to manage your money. I mean, you're going to want to purchase things. You're going to want to have money set aside if, you know, God forbid you have some kind of medical something that has to happen or um the roof collapses in the middle of a hurricane. I live in Hurricane Alley here in Panhandle, Florida. So, you know, six months out of the year, we're watching what, what's happening in the Gulf of Mexico, right? Um, and so you have to, to know how to prepare for that stuff. And it's one of those things that if you're not taught to think about it, you don't. You just don't. It's like, put your head down. Let's go paycheck to paycheck. Let's cover the bills we have to cover, but there's no real planning for how you want to move into your future. And if you don't plan for it, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I really wanted to, to get into a space um, where I could help people get there. And initially, um, as I was brainstorming, as far as how I wanted this company to work and, and what I wanted this company to do. Uh, my, my focus was on black women. Um, there have been so many um, systematic discriminations put into place for homeownership for black people um, in our country. And, you know, it started with HUD when they started redlining in communities. And all of a sudden, if you lived in a black community, regardless of the wealth that may have been there, it was not a good place to lend. So over a period of time, those neighborhoods truly did start to deteriorate. Um, and, you know, if we look at the prison system, uh, and the number of black men that are just kind of hauled into jail. And don't get me wrong, some of them really do do stuff. <laughs> but, you know, there is um, an exponentially larger portion of black men in prison, black and brown men in prison than any other race. So 
we have situations where we have, um, you know, moms, single moms raising kids that don't have a clue, haven't been taught this. And and so I have to say that uh, a lot of it, it stemmed from that for me and wanting to be able to offer what I can to help educate um, those people. And home ownership is, it is the key foundation to generational wealth. Owning real estate is a key foundation to generational wealth. And so we can get enough black and brown people owning their own homes. We really can start to work on breaking the curse of poverty that has been generational in so many families. So that was really what kind of spurred me to start this business. Uh, And then, of course, you know, I wanted to kind of to to move it out into um, women and coaching uh, because once you're on a, a stable foot financially, there's so much growth internally that women need to go through, recognizing our value, recognizing our work, you know, knowing that we can do and we can contribute and it's okay to want more for yourself. So that's kind of where it, it's morphed wow. <laughs> at this point in time. Wow. Amazing. Uh, love what you're doing. Thank you very much. Um, super important work. Uh, I agree with everything that you just said. And, uh, you know, I, we work with a lot of buyers who are single moms, you know, they don't look like me and, you know, they have may, maybe have been in a situation that you just described where either they're, you know, maybe the husband was uh, hauled off to jail or whatever this, whatever the situation is, and they just haven't been taught. But, uh, I can tell you that, you know, the, the women that are in some of our homes are some of the most inspiring people I've ever worked with mm-hmm. because like nothing phases them. You know, and it's it's just, um, you know, working two or three jobs, taking care of the kids. I mean, it inspires me. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we get I get to the desk every day. Um, so. Black women have been the backbone of the black community for years and years and years. And we've had to be. Um, and so, you know, it's OK to ask for help. It is OK to get the mentoring. Um, there is so much wealth um, within my community that we never hear about because it's not told our stories aren't always told. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, if I can do a small part in, in making a difference, then I'm happy to do that. Oh, I know you, I know you definitely are. Um, Patrice, I just think that this topic is such a great way to, you know, end the show, but before we do, cause I want to leave the listeners what you just said, was there anything that I didn't, ask you that you wanted to, to talk about today before we close out? I truly believe that home ownership is something that everyone can attain. It's important to meet people where they're at. And I also recognize that there are people who will never want to own their own home for whatever reason it is. But if home ownership is something that you aspire to, I encourage you to reach out to a professional. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. I can promise you anyone who has any salt in this business has heard any question that you're going to ask. And the only stupid question is one that you don't ask and never get an answer to. Wow. Beautiful. Amazing. That's a, that's a mic drop moment right there. Patrice, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, the best way to get in touch with me right now is through my website. It is info at pbobomiles.com. 
just hop in there, let me know, uh, leave your contact information. I will tell you that I do a free consultation uh, as far as what I'm looking for in, in helping and mentoring. Um, of course, I'm also available to answer mortgage questions. Just be patient with me because I am still working my mortgage loan origination nine to five job. Yeah. And it is crazy right now. So if any of you know anyone in the real estate business or anyone in the mortgage business, call them and ask them if they're okay because they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. Well, we'll put that. Uh, we'll put your contact information in the show notes so the listeners can can get in touch with you, uh, Patrice. Just I'm I'm so glad you came on and spent uh, you know nearly an hour here with us today. So much valuable information. Just love it. Thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate your time. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Better Way with Real Estate Podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you left us a rating and review so we can continue to help you and others navigate the many hurdles of the home buying and selling process. Visit bkwpropertysolutions.com to learn more. And remember, there is a better way with real estate.